from magical movies. All it takes is faith and trust. Oh, and something I forgot. To unforgettable adventures. Well, once there was a princess. I'm an outlaw, that's what. That's no life for a lovely lady always on the run. From the thrill of the theater to the comfort of your home. You can always count on something new from Disney. That's why they call me Thumper. For the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your stuff. Look, have I got it? The magic feather. Now you can fly. Ohana means family. Just a sec. Buzz, will you get up here and give me a hand? <laughs> I'm taking you to someplace pretty special. You won't find him here. <laughs> the king has returned. Join us for discussion and commentary as we open the Disney Vault with your hosts, Steve Glossin and Teresa Delgado. Well, hello everyone and welcome to the most magical podcast on the internet. This is Disney Vault Talk. We're back as we try to rebuild the Goliverse one upload at a time. We bring the most magical podcast in the world back. It is Disney Vault Talk and a very special marathon episode of Disney Vault Talk. It is the Goliverse Marathon for Cure. You can find out more about Cure at curechildhoodcancer.org. And uh, that's not... Hold on! Hold on! Stop the band! curechildhoodcancer.org. Also, if you want to donate, and we encourage you to do so, we're looking at a, a $5,000 goal, and it is a daunting task this year. I don't mind telling you right now, we are at 1140, uh, 5,023% of the way there. Now, here's the thing. For those listening live at uh, Mixler.com slash Goliverse, um, Disney Vault Talk has always brought the magic during the, uh, during the marathons, and we're hoping it'll be no different this year. Uh, Teresa has put down a challenge. Oh, I'm sorry. We have to introduce her momentarily. Has put down a challenge to our live listeners to get us to the $2,000 mark by the end of this show. We hope that you will respond to that challenge by going to geekoutonline.com slash cure to, to donate. Now, if you're listening to this after the marathon day, uh, the, the giving page will be open until January 31st of 2018. So you have uh, another week or so to 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 lay it down and to help out uh, children everywhere. Cures, uh, their whole uh, goal is to find a cure to childhood cancer in, the, in this lifetime, in our lifetime. So uh, you can help. It's a tax-deductible donation you can make, and you go to the first giving page that we have set up by going to geekoutonline.com slash cure, and I know we appreciate that. Well, I've run my mouth enough. It's time to bring in the heart and soul of Disney Vault Talk. Oh, we haven't done it in a minute and a half. Ladies and gentlemen, you know her best as the lovely, the talented, 
the powerful Teresa Delgado. Hello, Teresa. It is National Penguin Day, along with the first giving, uh, with the Geek Out Online Marathon. The Geek, the Goldiverse Marathon. I can't talk. I keep waiting for us to get to the chorus on this so we can just jam out to some Cheryl Crow from Cars. And I've got all my knobs mixed up right now. It's crazy. Suddenly I've lost all ability to podcast, Teresa. What's up with that? I have no idea. Well, here we go. A slow down, you're gonna crash. Baby, you were screaming, it's a blast, blast, blast. Oh, look out now, you got your blinders on. Everybody's looking happy, man, and get real gone, real gone. <laughs> All right, welcome. Hello, Teresa. Hello, Steve. How it's going? How it's going? National Penguin Day, huh? It's National Penguin Day. Penguin. I sent you a picture earlier yeah. that I thought was awesome. It has a bunch of different types of penguins on it. And it has below them, I'll send it out on my Twitter again, it has below them if they are being threatened with endangerment, the different types of penguins. Yeah, yeah um, and and, uh, and it's a bunch of different... I thought, I w- I'll be honest with you, Teresa, I was looking for the joke. And and as I'm scrolling through, I'm like, well, there is no joke to this. No, there's uh, not. <laughs> <laughs> what about the old northern rock hopper is in danger? Didn't realize that. The southern yeah. rock hopper, though, is vulnerable. Yeah, um, there are actually five species of penguins that are currently on the endangered species list. Mm-hmm. The African penguin, the mm-hmm. Galapagos penguin, the erect crested penguin, northern rock hopper, and the yellow-eyed. Oh, yellow-eyed. What the old macaroni penguin now? He's vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Now, have you ever had macaroni penguins? Why would I have macaroni penguins? I'm not Chewbacca. I don't I, eat birds. I'm just no. Well, I'm talking about. I didn't know if maybe Kraft made like macaroni penguins. You know, and you. Oh, have, how cool would that be? Well, there you go. <gasps> oh my see? gosh! And they just kind of march right into your mouth. That would be amazing. Like on like on the commercial or whatever. You know, they'll march with the pink wings. That would be great. Um. Teresa, I did think about you the other day. Planet Earth Two. Oh my God, Planet Earth Two was it, amazing. Is on it Netflix. It's on. I didn't get to see it on the old BBC, but it's on Netflix now. Yes. And I've been I've been kind of watching through at night. I love you know me. I love the nature shows and everything. I want to uh, sit with you watching one. I want you to narrate it for that's me. That's what I do. I sit there. I, well, here's what here's how I narrate it. I talk for all the animals. And so there was the one episode where the snakes are chasing the little baby iguanas across the sand. Yes. Oh, my. Okay. Hang on. Before you go any further, mm-hmm. when I first saw that, I think I had a minor heart attack mm-hmm. because I was so stressed out. Well, and I started doing time. voices for the snakes and for the iguanas. It was crazy. Um, but then they showed the bears. The oh, bears. <laughs> and they showed them doing their little scratchy back thing. Yeah. And it was... I'm like, well, that's me. They filmed me scratching my back on a corner. <laughs> I mean, like, it is, like, I mean, and they are boogieing down, too, to it. And so they've actually put that, you can look on YouTube, they've actually put it to an old uh, Cool in the Gang song, I believe. Oh, um, really? Them doing that, yes. It's pretty good stuff. Uh, but there's a there's one um, about the flamingos up in the oh. mountains where the where they get frozen into the the, the water overnight. 
where it mm-hmm. freezes, and then as the sun comes up, it starts to dry. It starts to melt everything, and um, <laughs> and these penguins are like walking along the ice and falling in and trying to pull themselves out. And I just thought, I wish there was one just sitting there with a yo-yo. Just a you yo-yo. meant flamingo, but you said penguin. I but meant, I knew what you meant. I'm sorry, I meant flamingo. But I was, I was sitting there thinking, I wish there was one sitting there with a yo-yo. That would be great. That would be, you two thousand. That's right. That's right. So, um. Now, there's one other thing before we get into Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins! Um, I need you to tell me about Mexican sweetbread. Yes. Because you have besmirched the good name of Krispy Kreme. I really, I don't like Krispy Kreme donuts at all. I don't know <laughs> how we're friends. They're too, there's something about the glaze with Krispy Kreme that's so sweet that it's like on a level of way too sweet for me. I just can't, I just can't do it. There's too much sugar in there. I don't know. I don't know. I just can't. I'm sorry. Everything you said made me sad. (laughs) (laughs) I just don't. Like, I'm sorry. I grew up with a donut shop here in Austin called Mrs. Johnson's that is just the perfect, perfect donut. But I also grew up with... Mrs. Johnson is not very sweet. (laughs) Hey. Was that Shaz? That was Shaz sticking in, yeah. I thought so. I'm sorry. Yeah, I... He he's probably going to just chime in every now and again today. He's going to be like Statler and Waldorf sitting up in the uh, up in I can't the. Believe you said that about the Krispy Kreme. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought this was a funny no, it's show. Totally fine. But I also grew up with Mexican sweetbread or pan dulce, which is just the best. Shaz Bazaar, Shaz Bazaar. I had to give him a little bit of props there. So, what is Mexican sweetbread? So Mexican sweetbread is a overarching term for a lot of different kinds it, of it, 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 Mexican cookies, Mexican, mm-hmm. you know, actual bread, all kinds of stuff. But, okay, so I sent you a picture with several different ones in it. So the ones that you guys were saying look like turtle shells. <laughs> Those are what we would call a concha. Okay. Okay. A so, concha. A concha. Yeah. And so what those are is they're essentially bread. So the dough is made out of wheat flour, water or milk, sugar, butter, eggs, yeast, and salt. So it's just like a bread. So it's like a giant muffin. Kind of. And the top is a cookie dough top. So it's usually made out of flour, sugar, butter, shortening, or margarine, or whatever. And it's different colors, and it's real crumbly. And it's the bread itself is super sweet, and then you get the not as sweet as Krispy Kreme, but it's sweet. And then with the different colored like kind of cookie dough stuff on the top. All right, those so let, are my favorite. Let me clarify the conchas. Now these are the ones that look like turtle shells. What does concha? Does that translate to anything in English? Seashell. Okay, that, that makes sense. I'm bringing Shaz in this conversation right are, now. Are you going to mail us some of these? You know what? My mom and I actually discussed that while we were listening this to y'all talk. This tastes really good. I mean, smells, it sounds really good. <laughs> this, I don't know what sense it's good. In some sense, I think I would really enjoy. I'm getting um, excited no. over here. Um, the, okay, so Shaz, let me make sure you heard what I heard. You're talking about literally a sweet bread mm-hmm. that is topped with a cookie. A cookie. And baked together. Yes, that's what I'm hearing. Teresa, is yes. that what we're saying? Yes. Well, my God. Winner. I mean, hello. I'm trying to do better, y'all, but y'all are making it really hard. I've eaten so many sweets today already. Yeah. So now there's a new one that I've never seen before at the the 
bakery we went to and it looked it actually looks like a turtle it has some extra dough around it like for a head and like legs and a tail now i saw is that that little thing looks like a pig no this i didn't take a picture of this one i haven't okay. eaten it yet apparently it yet. this one has cinnamon mixed into it oh i haven't had it yet yeah. so i don't know but i'm excited for it okay the one that looks like a pig is gingerbread so okay. that, one's, that one's ginger it's a gingerbread pig all right and then the one that's like a little triangle, these are what we call empanadas. Empanadas okay. can also be, they can have meat in the middle. Right. So it's essentially a crust that has, it can have meat and mm -hmm. other ingredients inside. But See, I okay, like I'm, I'm familiar with the, with the savory food empanada. Okay. So these are fruit empanada. Mine have apple inside of them. So these are like basically little apple pies. So it's like a fried pan. A fried pan. Yeah, but it's delicious. So that's what I have right mm -hmm. now. And I also have these little cinnamon cookies. Well, I didn't see a picture. No, I love a cookie, by the way. I don't, I don't, listen, we're so behind right now, as always happens with these marathon shows. I don't need to get off on a tangent about cookies, but I love a cookie. There ain't no doubt in my, ain't no, ain't nothing wrong with a cookie to me. So, you yeah, so the nice thing about Mexican sweet bread, too, similar to a donut, is that they don't cost a ton of money. Right. So my mom and I spent, my mom and I, my mom spent about 17 bucks, and she got her own big bag of her order of Mexican sweet bread, and I got my own. <laughs> so, and that's not, the picture I sent you is not all of what I got. Mm -hmm. There's more. <laughs> so, so, so y'all went to the bakery today? We did. Okay. I got in the car and I said, "Hey, mom, I've been craving uh, Mexican sweet bread," and she said, "Okay," and we drove and bought some. Nice. And then you were talking about like what you would drink in between your trial of donuts and mm -hmm. this stuff. It has to be like a Coke. A Coke. Yes. That's too much goes, sugar. No, it goes great. Trust me. A Coke or a Dr Pepper. I I choose Dr Pepper, but it's perfect. Y'all, I'm trying to do better. <laughs> I I, I need to, Teresa, here's what I, needs to happen in my life. I need to get to a size where I can't put you in my belly button for protection if you needed it. Oh, but that's my favorite place to go. That's, all right, you just made it weird. So let's get to, <laughs> I thought I took it as far as it could go, and Teresa pushed it just a little teeny bit further. So uh, let's get into uh, Mary Poppins. Here we go. Woo! Fire! Light up the sky. It's the entertainment thrill of a lifetime. Mary Poppins, Walt Disney's newest and most delightfully entertaining motion picture. Starring the toast of Broadway's musical stage, the incomparable Julie Andrews. For a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down, the medicine go down, medicine go down. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down in a most delightful way. And America's fabulous funny man, Dick Van Dyke, as you've never seen him before. Poppins, the fabulous adventures of the world's most charming and delightfully eccentric heroine. I can tell you one thing, Winifred. 
I don't propose standing idly by and letting that woman Mary Poppins undermine the discipline of... There's been something odd I made extremely odd about the behavior of this household since that woman arrived. Yes, dear? Yes, the wondrous and magical ways of Walt Disney's Mary Poppins so completely and so hilariously discombobulate the family with whom she comes to stay in such delightfully amazing ways. Their lives are never again quite the same. And nor will yours be when you've been touched by the magic of this magnificent new motion picture from Walt Disney, Mary Poppins. Hell, it's a jolly holiday with Mary. Oh, stupid kind of madness that gets me allidocious. Even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious. If you say it loud enough, you'll always sound precocious. Stupid kind of madness that gets me allidocious. Goodbye, Mary Poppins. Don't stay away too long. Mary Poppins, y'all. And here's Teresa. What's in history? I'm sure you know everything there is to know about the castle. Oh, well, actually, I, uh, yes, I do. As you can see, the pseudo-facade was stripped away to reveal a minimalist repository design. First of all, I didn't know you weren't going to do a film intro. Well, how about this? Uh, I'm just full, full disclosure across the board. Absolutely forgot I did that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely forgot about the intro. I, I think at some point we got to scratch that. I, I feel like I've not been good lately, and so... I think I think I think the goal I think the Goldiverse Marathon is a great place to try a new format. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Something like that. So, I mean, we already scratched two segments. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just for the marathon today. That's true. Mm -hmm. That's true. Okay. So, full disclosure, guys, I have show notes and five pages of handwritten notes for the show today. Because Mary Poppins, in my opinion, before I start with history, is the best Disney movie ever made, ever. No, animated, live action, Pixar, doesn't matter. Hands down, this movie is the number one. It is my number one favorite Disney movie if you combine all categories. That's, this is I mean, it. By the way, Teresa, that's information that is now new to me. It's the first I've heard. By yeah. the way, want to welcome back to the studio the old squeaky chair. Woohoo, squeaky chair. I don't have you on. It's just picking up over here. It's fine. <laughs> All right, so Mary Poppins is widely considered to be Walt Disney's crowning achievement. It is, it is his only film to gain a Best Picture nomination at the Oscars in his lifetime. Wow. This, that... This movie is widely considered by all film critics to be his best film ever. And I completely agree with them. Mm -hmm. so, as, as you said. So I, if I cry while we are recording this, just say so it's very genuine. 
<laughs> All right, so the movie came out on August 27th, 1964. It had its grand world premiere at Grandman's Chinese Theater in L.A. The world premiere was actually recorded for a live television audience in Los Angeles and a live radio broadcast, which is incredible. And if you have the 50th... 50th? It's either the 40th or the 50th anniversary Blu-ray. There is a extra feature on the Blu-ray that they have pieced together the pieces of video and audio from the radio and television broadcast that they have to create an entire look at the world premiere on the red carpet. It is so cool. Hmm. So cool to see all the people that were there. It's just amazing. Like, all the Disney alumni, like, everybody, there were dancing penguins. There was Goofy was there, the big bad wolf, the three little pigs, <laughs> the the dwarves, the, the big like, bad, everybody. The big bad what was there? Yes. <laughs> no, the big, what was that? I didn't. I don't know. It's an animal that's like a dog. <laughs> the big bad wolf. <laughs> it's just crazy. Like You it knew was... better. You knew better than to do that. I know, but I didn't about it i was just gushing over the world premiere anyway uh so where was i okay so i did i did some math mm -hmm. because we always talk about the numbered sequence right. of the movie mm -hmm. which was easy with the animated movies because they kept track of it they didn't keep track for live action but i went through the entire list of disney movies ever made and i counted oh wow so it is the 44th live action, mm -hmm. but technically it's a hybrid, and it would be the 10th hybrid film. Nice. Because it's live action with animation. And the other nine exist in the package films from that, like, 40s era of Disney in their area. So let's see. It was shot entirely in Burbank, California, despite the fact that it takes place in England, and it was entirely shot inside. No. I didn't know. Yeah. Entirely shot inside. There's not an outdoor shot in the in the movie. Nope. Hmm. Not one. It was all built sets. It was such a big production, in fact, it took over the entire like the four sound stages at the Burbank lot. Like so it it took over the entire thing. The four <laughs> sound no stages. That's my favorite it. that's my favorite Motown band. The four sound stages. You have the four tops and the four sound stages. <laughs> okay, the film received universal acclaim from film critics. The film aggregator Rotten Tomatoes reports that 100% of critics gave the film a fresh rating based on 44 reviews with an average score of 8.3 out of 10. Wow. The site's consensus refers to it as, quote, a lavish modern fairy tale celebrated for its amazing special effects catchy songs, and Julie Andrews' legendary performance in the title role. Mm. So this particular movie I want to throw in here had the most involvement of Walt Disney of any movie he had done ever and later in his life too, which is incredible because we're in the sick late or the early 60s here so we're not that far away from from losing walt so this was one of the last major things he was super super involved in okay the film grossed 
around 31 to 33 million dollars during its initial run, but it was re-released in the theaters in 73 in honor of Walt Disney Productions' 50th anniversary and it earned another 9 million, and then it was released again in 1980 and earned an additional 14 million. So its total lifetime gross just domestic is 102 million dollars. They actually do not have numbers anywhere that I could find that show what its worldwide gross is. So I don't actually know that. But in the United States, it's $102 million. It was made on a budget of about $4.4 to $6 million. Which was a lot of money back then. Mm -hmm. That was a big budget production back then, right? Yes. It was reported by a company, Cobbett Steinberg, to be the most profitable film of 1965, earning a net profit of $28.5 million. These profits were large enough that this is the money that was used to purchase the land in Central Florida to finance the construction of Walt Disney World. So Mary Poppins, the movie, is responsible for... Disney World. Yep. Wow. So had he not done it, we would not have Walt Disney World. Mm. It's crazy. So the film was so successful in its theatrical release, it continued playing throughout 1965. So it came out in August of 64, played through 1965, giving it a chance to actually compete financially against The Sound of Music. So it was the highest grossing film of 1965. The Sound of Music came in second. So Julie Andrews had the top two spots grossing-wise in 1965. Yep. That's pretty pretty awesome. That's crazy. That's an amazing feat. That's a gross exaggeration. I'm sorry, one more time, Shes. That's a gross exaggeration. Thank you, from the balcony. Um, (laughs) That's a groaner, by the way. Shaz Bazaar, Shaz Bazaar. Uh, okay. Okay, so Mary Poppins was first released on VHS, Betamax, CED, and Laserdisc in 1980. In 1994, 97, and 98, it was re-released three times as part of the Walt Disney Masterpiece Collection. Mm-hmm. In 98, the film became Disney's first DVD. Oh, now that is an honor. Yes. To be like the first of this new medium we're going to put out is going to be Mary Poppins. Yes. Dick Van Dyke became the first DVD. (laughs) Oh, I get it. Okay. Okay. I'm with you now. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Took me a a second, but I got there. I caught up. All right. On July 4th, 2000, it was released on VHS and DVD as part of the Gold Classic Collection. On December 14th, 2004, it had a two-disc DVD release and a digitally restored 40th anniversary edition. I have this one. I actually have this one and the 2000 edition. Let's see. And it was the final issue in the VHS format in 2004. On January 27th, 2009, the film was released on DVD again as the 45th anniversary edition, which I also have, with more language tracks. And special features. And then December 10th of 2013, it was released on Blu-ray as the 50th anniversary edition, which I also have. Of course. Now, is Mary Poppins 
currently in the vault? No. Okay. Uh, that's actually coming later about uh, its vault status. Oh, we don't have it in the vault right now. I, I feel like it doesn't really need to be down here in the vault. Um, you know, it's Mary Poppins, so we'll just let her stay, I guess. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about awards because this is a big deal. Okay, so the Golden Globes are always first. The Golden Globes were in uh, February of 1965 is when it was – that's its award season is the 65 Awards. It was nominated for Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy, Best Performance by an Actor in a Leading Role, Musical, or Comedy for Dick Van Dyke, Best Performance by an Actress in a Leading Role for Musical, or Comedy, and Best Original Score. At the Golden Globes, Julie Andrews won, was the only only category that they won was Best Performance by an Actor in a Leading Role mm -hmm. or Actress. Now, this is very important. I have a clip for you to play here in a minute. Okay. This is huge because previous to this, Julie Andrews had not done a film. This is her first film. She was unknown in the world of cinema. Mm-hmm. She was known for Broadway. She had performed the role of Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady in London and in New York on Broadway. When Warner Brothers was going to go and make My Fair Lady as a film, they were considering her for the role because she had played it so right. long. Right. But Jack Warner actually declined to use her because she was not known in the world of cinema and went with Audrey Hepburn instead. Mm -hmm. So that made her decision to take the role of Mary Poppins that much easier. And she was nominated against Audrey Hepburn at the Golden Globes. Ooh. And she won. Oh, and this is and her. And this is her acceptance speech. The winner is Julie Andrews Mary Poppins. Thank you very much for this lovely honor. It's a wonderful memento of a very, very happy time. Finally, my thanks to a man who made a wonderful movie and who made all this possible in the first place, Mr. Jack Warner. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, snap. That's good. That's funny. Isn't that great? Well, you know what? I always heard about Julie Andrews that she's just a spitfire in real mm -hmm. life, like has a mouth on her and everything. Is what yeah, I well, she thanked Jack Warner. Thank you for not actually uh, choosing me. That's great. That is Okay, funny. so then for the Academy Awards, which were in April, Mary Poppins was nominated for 13 Academy Awards. So they were nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actress, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Cinematography and Color, Best Art Direction Color, Best Costume Design Color. I guess back then they still had categories for color and black and white. Mm -hmm. Best Sound, Best Film Editing, Best Visual Effects, Best Original Song for Chim Chim Tree, Best mm. Score, and Best Adaptation or Treatment Score. So they won for Best Actress in a Leading Role. Guess what? Audrey Hepburn, not nominated. Ooh. Ooh, burn. They also won Best Film Editing, Best Visual Effects, Best original song and best score. Of course they did. It's pretty awesome. And then the Grammy Awards that year, they were nominated for best recording for children and best original song written for a motion picture or television show, and they won both of those. There you go. 
so it's pretty stinking awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, right. and the music, I mean, the, we'll talk about it, I know, but the music is iconic. It is. It's beyond iconic for Mary Poppins. Now, Mary Poppins has been adapted to Broadway as well. Mm-hmm. So Cameron McIntosh is the person who put together the Broadway production. They actually approached P.L. Travers for the stage rights in the 1990s, and she agreed but she made sure that the contract included a stipulation that only British writers could be involved and that the show had to follow the plot of the books, not the film. Mm-hmm. So Cameron McIntosh stayed true to his word, but he did realize that a stage musical would not be successful without the Disney music. So the show finally debuted in London's West End in 2004 and Broadway in 2006 with additional songs written in the Sherman style, but they were written by George Stiles and Anthony Drew. And they do have... The Disney songs in there, but there are other songs, including some of the deleted songs that were not used. Mm -hmm. And so what I have for you here is a little YouTube video of Step in Time from Broadway. You might have to fast forward it a little bit. There's a little bit of an intro from one of the people who helped create the musical for Broadway. Never need a reason, never need a wrong. I'd gotten to see this on Broadway. <laughs> oh, I wonder if my brother saw it. Oh, he went to a lot. I think he did. I think he did go see Mary Poppins. I'm a, I'll find out why you're doing this. Is it time for fun facts? Not yet. Not oh, yet. Okay. Okay. So a couple of things I want to add in here. So Walt Disney actually went after the rights for Mary Poppins in 1938, the first time. P.L. Travers said no. He sent Roy Disney in 1944. P.L. Travers said no. In 1959, he was going over to England to check on one of the films that they were filming, the live-action films. So he went to go and see her in person, and that's when she finally signed over the rights, was in 1959. But all he had was the option to make it. She still had the the final say in whether or not it was going to be made or not. So he went back to the Disney Studios and he had Richard and uh, Robert Sherman. I think it's Richard and is it Richard and Robert? Mm, I think. You've got me. I don't remember. I know Richard for sure. I can't remember what the other brother's name was. I think it's Bob. 
So yeah, so Robert said so, because it was Dick and Bob. Yeah, it's is Richard what they and went Rob. By. Yeah. And they worked for two and a half years, and the screenplay writers and everybody worked for two and a half years, only to find out two and a half years later that they didn't have ultimate say in let in whether it was made or not. Disney brought P.L. Travers over. She was there for about a month doing meetings and all this stuff. And she, apparently from what they say, is she was deeply frustrating. I've seen Saving Mr. Banks, which is a sort of accurate portrayal. It's a very Disney-fied portrayal of what the relationship was like. But P.L. Travers was very much wanted no animation. She wanted no music. She wanted no songs. She wanted things exactly her way. She didn't get exactly what she wanted. She did finally sign off on it and say okay. When she did that, though, she did not know about the animation. Mm-hmm. And when she saw it for the first time at the world premiere, which she was not invited to, by the way. <gasps> uh, I'll talk about that in a minute. She actually, at the they had like a garden party afterwards. She went up to Walt and very loudly said, well... This was good, but we still have work to do, and the animation absolutely has to be removed. And people heard it, and Walt Disney essentially said no and premiered the movie in New York a week later. So there's definitely some animosity still when you talk to people who have interviewed her and stuff like that because she... She didn't want this done in the first place, and then it was done, and it was not done her way, and she was not happy about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did not get an invite to the premiere, but she found out about it, and she did manage to get an invite from a Disney executive, and so she did end up being there. So, you know, it's just it's one of those weird, weird things where Disney exerts his authority to yeah. say, nope, sorry. Hmm. <laughs> Um, let's see here. I have a bunch of stuff. What else fits in history? Let's see. There was something else I know I definitely wanted to talk about. Oh, Julie Andrews described P.L. Travers as being a very crisp lady. I definitely oh. wanted to say that. She's very and crisp. One, one other piece of information about the Sherman Brothers and the history of this film when the Sherman brothers were coming to start working for Disney in 1960, he presented them with the idea of Mary Poppins, and he gave them the book and said, read this. So they read it, and they came back with certain chapters underlined that they thought would make good songs and good good story, mm-hmm. showed it to him, and he pulled out, Disney pulled out his version of the book, and he had the exact same chapters underlined. Oh, wow. And that sort of solidified the relationship of the Sherman brothers mm-hmm with Walt Disney. So, now you can move to fun facts. All right, so now it's time for fun facts. Here we go. Fun facts! Say it proud and geek out loud. It's fun facts! Okay, so the fun facts I have here, some of these are some of the stuff I have written down as well. Mary Poppins has never been taken out of print. As far as, like, the... In, you mean the movie Mary Poppins is never taken? Wow! So it has never gone in the vault. It is one of those that they will. I, I'm assuming are never going to put in the vault. We've been instructed ever. down here that we can't do that. Thanks. <laughs> so in 2013, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, 
or aesthetically significant. We've had a few of these in our in our discussions that have, mm-hmm. that have had this take place from yes. Disney. Okay, when Andrews, Julie Andrews, was being asked to play the role of Mary Poppins, well, let me back up. Let me say first how she got cast. She was in Camelot on Broadway, and she made an appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show, which I do have a video of further down. She made an appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show, and the Sherman Brothers saw it, and they went to Disney and showed it to him, and he was so moved by it that he went to New York to go see her on Broadway, and he met with her backstage, and he started trying to woo her to play Mary Poppins mm. by acting out the entire plot of Mary Poppins. Okay. Backstage at Camelot. So she had a big decision because she was still being considered for My Fair Lady. And then, of course, as we know, Jack Warner decided not to go with her. And when she did decide to do Mary Poppins, she was actually three months pregnant. And so she wasn't sure that Walt Disney would want her anymore because she was pregnant. Disney said... Pretty amusing number. Sorry. Disney said that he wanted her to be Mary Poppins and that they would delay filming and production until after she had had her baby. So they waited. That was nice of them. So here is her Ed Sullivan appearance. We'll play a little bit of it. Camelot comes to life when they query, what do the simple folk do? What do the simple folk do to help them escape when they're the shepherd who is ailing, the milkmaid who is glum, the cobbler who is wailing from nailing his thumb, when they're beset and besieged, the folk not noblessly obliged, however do they manage to shed their weary lot, oh what do simple folk do, we do not I have been informed by those who know them well. Oh, well, was Richard Burton and Julie Andrews. Mm-hmm. That's a star. And Robert Goulet was apparently in Camelot as well. Yeah, I can see why that would make me want to hire her. Well, she's got a good voice. I mean, look, Julie Andrews, you can't beat her vocals. Well, you can now. Well, yeah, she I'm can't saying, sing anymore. But you know what I mean. Come on now. Yeah. I know. I'm actually really sad that she can't sing anymore. It makes yeah. me really angry. It's a tragedy. <laughs> tragedy! Okay, so the day after she gave birth to her daughter, Emma, P.L. Travers called her. Uh, I don't think P.L. Travers knew that she had had a baby, but she did know that Julie Andrews was going to be playing her. So she actually called her, and she told Julie Andrews that she was far too pretty to play Mary Poppins, but she had a nose for it. So Julie Andrews says, I think she liked me. <laughs> far too pretty and but she had the nose for it right i, I would think like, that is an insult i don't know if she's talking about her actual nose oh she's talking about like she she has the demeanor or maybe like the the ability to play the part but she thought that julie andrews was too pretty hmm well she now, was a, she is a pretty lady Walt wanted to make things even easier for Julie Andrews to take the role, so he offered to hire her husband, Tony Walton, to design costumes for the film, and he actually gave them private tours of the studio and Disneyland and all that stuff when he was trying to convince them to come on to the film, which they did. 
Okay, so this kind of goes back to the whole Audrey Hepburn thing. During the Jolly Holiday sequence, the three singing Cockney geese were all voiced by a lady named Marnie Nixon. She was a regular oral substitute for actresses with substandard singing voices back then. Hmm. Nixon would actually later on go to do the singing voice for Audrey Hepburn in My Fair Lady. Oh. They didn't let Audrey Hepburn sing. Well, I mean, you are taking your shots at Audrey Hepburn today. I just, this is just the truth. Like, like I wish it wasn't, but it is. Oh my gosh. And then the Marnie Nixon also went on to play one of the fellow nuns in The Sound of Music as well. Mm. Okay, so when Walt approached Glennis Johns, who plays Winifred Banks, she thought she was actually being asked to play Mary Poppins. Come to find out she was not. And so she only agreed to do the film if her character had her own song. So in that meeting, Walt said, well, of course, we actually have a song that was written for you. We just need to finish it up, and then we'll let you hear it. He turned to the Sherman Brothers after Glennis Johns left and said, get her a song. (laughs) And so the Sherman Brothers had a song they called Practically Perfect, which they turned into the song Sister Suffragette for her. Well done, Sister Suffragette. Now, the first scenes filmed for the movie were Jolly Holiday, that sequence. The reason for that was so they could get the scene into animation right away. So they had to get all that done so that the animation people had time. Oh, it's a jolly holiday with you. So Milt Call was designed, or he designed most of the characters in this animated sequence. He was responsible for the fox, who is just hilarious. I was rewatching it, and it was just so funny. I forgot how funny the fox is. Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnston, so we're talking nine old men here, mm-hmm. okay? Frank Thomas and Ollie Johnston animated the penguin dance and famously would complain. I actually got to see this in one of the DVD extras of Frank Thomas talking about how frustrating it was to animate the penguins around Dick Van Dyke because he kept stepping on them or kicking them Mm. or whatever. And so they had to be super creative. So the reason the penguins are ducking and jumping and all that stuff is because of Dick Van Dyke's feet. Because of the way he's dancing. Yeah, so he they had the penguins all animated and then Dick Van Dyke would kick them in the head. And so they had to they had to change everything. The mechanical Robin that sings during Spoonful of Sugar mm-hmm. is credited as being the first audio animatronic ever. Walt formed a division of Wed Enterprises that would exclusively work on these figures for the 1964 World's Fair called the Manufacturing and Production Organization, or MAPO, M-A-P-O, for short. Mm-hmm. The development of this acronym was a nod to the film it was created for, which was Mary Poppins. M-A-P-O. And their name tags actually have a little flying nanny on the circular name tag at the top. Mary Poppins, y'all. Mary Poppins, y'all. All right, Mary's parrot doesn't reveal that he can speak until the very end of the film on the end of her umbrella. Oh, yeah. But when but when he does speak, the voice is none other than David Tomlinson, who played Mr. Banks. Oh, okay. Now, Walt actually allowed director Robert Wise to visit the set and view dailies of Julie Andrews. Robert Wise was the director for The Sound of Music, and he cast her based on what he saw on that visit. The hills are alive with the sound of music. No! 
<laughs> I love the sound of music. Okay, after the premiere, P.L. Travers already said this, um, told Disney that they had to remove the animation, and Walt said no. Okay, founder of the Walt Disney Archives, Dave Smith, spent many years searching for the snow globe from the Feed the Bird sequence. Mm -hmm. He finally found it in a janitor's office on the studio lot. The janitor explained he found it in the trash one day, and he thought it was too pretty to throw away. He had no idea that it was from Mary Poppins. All right. that, that snow globe is in the Walt Disney Archives. Show of hands, who thinks that janitor was lying? <laughs> I d I'm, my hand is up. I think he saw it and he's like, "Oh, I'm going to keep this." And then, and then when they came and found it, he's like, "Oh yeah, that was just in the trash. And I thought it was too pretty to throw away. I thought that thing was too pretty to throw away, so I kept it on my desk here all these years." No, I didn't know it was from Mary Poppins. Well, he knew. He knew. He stole it from the set. Maybe not from the set. Oh no, he stole it from the set. That's like a huge time gap. By the way, Feed the Bird's my least favorite sequence of the movie. Really? Yep, and I know that's like Walt's favorite. Well, do you know why, though? Uh, because he likes birds? No. Oh. Okay, so should I save this for when we talk about the song? Yeah, let's save it for when we talk okay, about we'll the song. Okay, we'll save it. Okay, I have a couple of other things that are not in our show notes. So... They would have to wait up for a long time for them to like re-rig everything mm -hmm. for in between takes. Dick Van Dyke said in the making of Mary Poppins DVD extra that Matthew Garber, who played Michael, would get so fidgety sometimes that he would actually like turn around and just bite Dick Van Dyke's leg. <laughs> oh wow! Like what? What a weird kid! <laughs> I know. Oh, I'm really so bored. Weird. I'll bite you now. <laughs> <laughs> When he mentioned it, it was Julie and Dick Van Dyke sitting in chairs next to each other, and they're talking. I need and some. He says need... this, and Julie Andrews turns around and busts out laughing, and she's like, I forgot he did that. I need someone to make a I'm really bored, I'll bite you now shirt. <laughs> and just have Instead a picture of, of stop a... it now, it's I'll bite you now. Yeah, and just have a picture of a kid just clamped down onto someone's leg. <laughs> really funny little okay. demon possessed child from mary poppins so even more stuff about matthew garber he was so afraid of heights that someone on the production crew or something offered him a dime every time that he would go up on the wires mm -hmm. for the scenes like with uncle albert yeah apparently he made a fortune because they had to shoot it so many times my favorite scene by the way of the mary poppins film the uncle albert scene so to add to that, Walt Disney came up with the technical approach to show they were not on wires by using a combination of long shots and close-up shots. Mm -hmm. But not only that, they built several sets of the house where there's a version of it where the ceiling's on the floor and then the ceiling's on the side. Like basically all the directions that they would go right. were built sets. Oh, wow. But they also did a lot of, like, blue-green screen stuff. And what's crazy is when you watch this back, because of the way they edited the film and those special effects that Disney came up with, you don't see wires. You don't even see the wires pulling on their clothes. Mm -hmm. Like, at all. Yeah. yeah. At in any point in this movie, because I've been looking for it, and yeah. you don't see it. It's crazy. That is just insane. 
Uh, last fun fact for now, uh, in the section of Jolly Holiday with the waiters, Walt Disney first saw them. They were playing the song and all the stuff for Jolly Holiday, and they had some drawn-up sketches, charcoal sketches, that this is where waiters will come in. And he, he immediately stopped everything. And uh, Richard Sherman says that they were like, okay, what's wrong? And he said, nothing, but waiters have always reminded me of penguins. So we're taking out waiters and we're putting in penguins. Oh. So that's how the penguins came to be hmm. is because Disney just was like, nope, no waiters, penguins. 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 All right. So. so, Teresa, tell me this. Do you remember the first time you saw Mary Poppins? I don't. I was a little child mm -hmm. for sure. I know the first time I saw it would have been at my grandma's house mm -hmm. and that she would have been the one that was shown to me. I probably saw it on a Betamax recording. Oh, wow. Most likely. And I'm telling you, this thing has had my attention since I was little, little. Mm -hmm. And it is probably some of the first music that I ever memorized. Right. It fueled my love this is probably the reason that i love well is it this it might be the king and i uh somewhere between this and the king and i and sound of music is where i developed my love of musicals mm. and there's all kinds oh my gosh there's another musical that i love that I don't remember the name of that it's asian inspired my grandma used to show it to me on betamax uh, but basically, between this and animated Disney movies and Sound of Music and stuff is how I developed my love of music and theater and all that stuff. Not to the point that I ever wanted to sing or perform, but just that I loved well. being transported by it. And there were penguins in here. Penguins. <laughs> um, there's animation. There's Dick Van Dyke. See, and also at the same time as a kid... I was watching the Dick Van Dyke show and Mary Tyler Moore and the Bob Newhart show and I Love Lucy and I Dream of Jeannie and all of that stuff. So it, it's like this whole, I don't know, this whole mm -hmm. era of stuff is what I grew up on. And I mean, I, I can watch this movie anytime. Mm -hmm. Just, oh, I love it so much. And seriously, the... Special effects they used were used 40 years like before their time, before yeah. people really started using this stuff. It's like Star Wars. <laughs> right, yeah. It's well, I mean, crazy. Walt Disney and George Lucas, right? Cut from the same cloth. No joke. In a lot of ways. I mean, good night. This was just great. And you know, as a kid, I never even realized that Dick Van Dyke's accent was terrible. No, me either. I didn't notice it, but he makes fun of it even to this day. Like in that documentary, it's not really a documentary, but behind the scenes that I was looking at, he admitted like how terrible his accent was and how people have jumped on him about that for his entire life. And there's like a magazine that just came out recently that said that he was one of the top 20 worst dialecticians of all time. And all this stuff, which is crazy. And he said, what's funny is that the British actually forgive him for his terrible accent, but the Americans just, <laughs> like, are so critical, which I think is really funny. Well, here's my story of Mary Poppins. I, I don't know if I was homesick or, or how it happened, but we had a friend who, he's the guy that all, used to always introduce me to all these movies. And he came over the house with Mary Poppins one day. And so... 
I watched Mary Poppins, and I really dug it, but where it really became a part of my life is, Teresa, though you were not inspired to the point of actually singing and performing on stage. Yours truly found himself, I think it was third grade, in the chorus at school, music class chorus at school. And somehow, through a series of events, I found myself, broom in hand, out in the park in Athens, Georgia, kicking my knees up and stepping in time. That's awesome. Little, ch- little fat chubby Steve. Kick your knees up, step in time. Kick your knees up, step in time. Never need a reason, never need a rhyme. When you step in time, you step in time. Step in time, step in time. And, uh, yeah, so, um, I, 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 there were people watching, and it was a whole big thing. Uh, we weren't doing Mary Poppins. We were just doing songs, I guess, from Mary Poppins. It was me and two other guys doing Step in Time from That's a so third, awesome. third grade course. Yeah. How about that? That's so great. Yeah. Since Shaz is in the room, Shaz. Oh. What's your story? Hold on. Shaz Bazaar. Shaz Bazaar. I, I have no story. What do you mean, what? my story? Uh, do you know anything about for, stepping in time Mary, and me? For Mary Poppins. Oh, I thought you were talking about, I, you thought I had a story like Steve's. No, I, I don't remember how young I was when I first saw it. I must have seen it just on TV, I would think. Yeah. I don't, we don't, we yeah. didn't have the, we didn't have the uh, Betamax oh, man. copy. Well, they had it on everything. In no, 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 we had a Betamax. We just didn't have it on video. We might have rented it. It's possible. It's possible. I don't remember not knowing this movie, though. Spoonful yeah. of sugar and such. I'm not. Oh. A, I was not a big musical kid, though. No, me either. But I'll tell you what. My daughter was crazy over it as soon as it came out. In fact, that's probably the second musical DVD we got. Really, Mary Poppins. Yeah. Hmm. And it was in '99, not '98. '98, you said, uh, was when it was first put on DVD. Is that right, Teresa? Um, the very first DVD was, I think, in '98. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, that's impressive. We we did Chitty Chitty Bang Bang first. Oh, that is not a Disney pretty movie. Chitty bang, oh, I know. That's, chitty, what, I'm chitty, bang, bang, that's we, what I'm saying. Did I have we, to tell you that, that Teresa? Before yes, you we got did, and now I tell everyone else. Oh, I thought you were scolding me. I felt no. I actually I felt thought scolded. it was a Disney movie for a long time. I was well. It's because you're so used to Mary Poppins, and it's Dick, and Dick Van Dyke with you know Sherman Brothers an music, and it's Sherman Brothers music. Oh, it, yeah, I guess. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it a Warner Brothers? Mm-hmm. It's uh the it's uh, the 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 broccoli, Covey broccoli, the guy that does the James Bond. It's the James Bond people. Oh really? Mm-hmm. Let's not talk about that right now. We're talking about Mary Poppins. Oh, our pretty chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang. We, we love, love you. you. And our pretty chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang loves us too. High, low, everywhere we go on chitty chitty we depend. Bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang, our fine four fendered friend. Bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang, our fine four fendered. Chitty chitty bang bang, chitty chitty bang bang. Yeah. Sorry. All right. Thanks. Okay. That was hilarious. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love Mary Poppins. It's loaded with stuff. It's, well, it's, that was Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> perfect. Perfect for, you know, the, the animation oh. crossover. I'm, I'm liking the history, too. Mm-hmm. The whole idea that that, that was uh, supposed to be waiters. And that, well, and, waiters do look like penguins. Well, sure. You but, you know, if, if they had been there, there would have been all kinds of injuries because evidently Dick Van Dyke would have kicked them in the Just head and stepped those. on them. Yeah, kicking so, those little waiters in the head. Yep. 
know roasting some pork kebabs. Thing about that scene though is like I, I've always tried to figure out, and I guess it's movie magic. But as a kid, I was always like, "How do you pull your pants to where you get <laughs> like penguin pants?" Dick Van like, Dyke. Dick Van Dyke was the original bust of SAG. <laughs> but it's not because there's literally a seam all the way. He must have changed pants. He, yeah, well, yeah, there you go. No, yeah, well, of course he did, Teresa. He he, he stopped. Hammer time. Oh, it, they were hammer pants. They were hammer Dick pants. Dick Van Dyke was wearing hammer pants. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> And he even dances like Amory. He, he does. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Stephanie. If you're listening. Yes. I need that. <laughs> I need that scene from Mary Poppins. And I need it put to either too legit to quit or you can't touch this. Can't touch this. Just stop hammer oh, time. <laughs> you can have the penguins. Oh, hey, oh my there we gosh. Go. This is greatness. Stephanie, if you're listening, and please tell me you're listening. That's what I need out of life. I'm sorry to demand stuff, but it's the it's the Goliverse marathon. It's the cure marathon for the for go for for cure curechildhoodcancer.org. By the way, we're right now. Let me did a refresh here. Thirteen fifteen right now is where we're at. Twenty six percent of the way to our goal of five thousand dollars this year. Wow, we're gonna fall way short, guys. No, well, don't, it was a don't tough year. That. We really didn't get to promote it because we didn't know if we were going to be up and running. I know. Boy, I know. you and Steve keep banging that same drum. Well, I, that's why we need people to share and share and support share. and put it out there. Share. Encourage people share. to to give and 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 donate. We we haven't even had everyone who's been listening all day donate yet. So I, I mean, not to get on to anybody. I'm just saying, geekoutonline.com/cure. We, is where we're at. we shared it on the show. Oh, I need Stephanie Twice. to do that like right now. I need that video immediately. Dick Van Dyke, thank you so much, Shaz. Dick Van Dyke was the first person to wear hammer pants. I can't handle anymore. I'm pulling you down now, Shaz. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, where are we at? We're at 13... 15. 13, 15. Okay, if everybody that is in the chat, that includes me, donates $10, that'll get us to 17.35. All right. So go for 20. So go for 20. I mean, why aren't we going for... Yeah, but some people in the chat have already donated. I know. I'm just using that as a sure. just an just idea how easy it is. of what we can do here. Oh man, um, Teresa, what's your favorite part of the movie? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Favorite part? Um, I have to pick one. Yes. Jeez. It's probably the entire Jolly Holiday sequence. Oh yeah. Just because there's. The song Jolly Holiday and then mm-hmm. Super Califragilistic Expialidocious, mm-hmm. which I can actually spell. Um, which, you know what? When she says that in the song about it backwards, mm-hmm. that it would be Docious Expialis Super Calirufus or whatever. Right. That's not actually backwards. No. That's like mixed up. Right. You're exactly right. I don't right. know what it would actually be backwards. Well, it would be, um, <clears throat> give me just a minute. Oh no, he's gonna try. Uh, so while while you're doing that, I love that they ride merry-go-round horses and that they can come off. And I always thought merry-go-rounds did that. They don't. Mm-mm. Mm. They don't. I love how you don't. were so disappointed when you said that. <laughs> they, they don't. don't. <laughs> I love how the the animation here is so great. When Mary Poppins is like, you know, she's in the race, not intentionally, but she's in the race. And she says, oh, riders, will you please let me pass? And they're like, sure, Mom. And they just, like, hold up their horses. And then it's like, you you just lost. 
what are you doing? Uh, and she has a purple horse, which is just great, because that's, you know, it's purple. And the animation with the fox, like, next to them, and they have, like, candied apples, and they wave them around in the air. I don't know. That whole thing, just jumping into the chalk picture, I love that. I do love the Uncle Albert sequence, but yeah, Jolly Holiday. I think. You think? I um, love the beginning. The beginning is is just absolutely gorgeous. Actually, I have some notes on that. Peter Ellenshaw is the person who painted the paintings of the like the uh, oh, what do you call that? The backgrounds of London. He did a ho- over 100 matte paintings for the film, and he actually had little holes in the paint for the lights so that they could turn on lights behind the paintings gradually as they did the opening and the closing okay, sequence. Yeah. It's just phenomenal. Yeah. Like, those paintings are gorgeous. The whole beginning, just the music and the paintings and then the font that the words are in. The font? I love when all the – yeah, the font for, like, the names and mm-hmm. the – title and stuff i like the font okay uh when the nannies all blow away that's hilarious too because it's oh, like yes. all these like, yeah. like flying nuns by the way it's su su coda get silly garfield like repus i spelled it backwards and just read it phonetically <laughs> Say it again. Yeah, one more time. <clears throat> That's not what she says. That's not what she says? No, it's not. That is not what she said. You're right. <laughs> that is not what she said. If she did, she was having a stroke. (laughs) 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 Disney Um, Vault Talk, we got it. That's not what she said, joke, on the Disney Vault Talk. Okay. So, there's some other cool stuff, though, about this film that we haven't haven't talked about. I'm sorry, what... I'm just ready oh to gosh, sing. I'm trying to come out of that. It's I'm great. just ready to sing. <laughs> oh, okay, well, up to the highest height. Let's go fly a kite and send it soaring up through the atmosphere. Up where the air is clear. Oh, let's go. Fly a kite. So he's saying at the end of the movie, just go fly a kite. Yeah, go fly a kite, you moron. No, there's meaning. No. Guys, there's so much meaning. No, oh, my gosh. Guys, okay. there's so much meaning. That's why I like that song. I love the end of it. I, I love how the, the it all comes together at the end. Well, yeah, because the dad's going to go fly a kite. The dad's like, going to be part of the family. Yeah. You know? right. It's awesome. You understand what the ripped apart kite being taped up, like what all that means. Yeah, it's the family being brought back together. It's so oh awesome. Oh, my gosh. And then she, and then the mom takes her her suffragette like ribbon and ties it to the end because she's going to be more part of the family. Like, seriously, people. 
Uh, Teresa, it's a beautiful movie. We get it. Go fly kite. You go fly kite. Okay. <laughs> so Julie Anders said this in this video I was watching. Okay. The purpose of Mary Poppins coming into our lives is to make things better and make families better. And when she said that when I was watching it, I was just like, you're right. Like there's Mary Poppins comes into our lives and you can watch it when you're having a bad day or things aren't great and you watch it and it's like everything is better and like Mary Poppins for me I don't know if this is actually how I thought as a kid but this movie was an escape when things were hard and Mary Poppins was there for me and it's just like I'm gonna cry oh well I think I mean look I think that for all the problems that Disney had or uh, or or the the, the lady had with Disney doing this movie. I think that that spirit came across more than anything from, from those books. And, and I, and I don't think that's, a, I think that's a great sentiment because, you know, this is a movie that you cannot watch without being happy. Mm-hmm. Like even when Mary Poppins leaves, like, you know, she's left things better than she found them. And yeah, and I mean, ultimately the message of the movie, the ultimate message and the words of Dick Van Dyke are, it's the small things in life that make us happy. Yeah. And it's so true because so much of this movie, when you think about Mr. Banks, he's so focused on work and his job and everything else and not on his kids, even, you know, Mrs. Banks, they're not, their focus isn't where it should be. Mm-hmm. And it's about re like reevaluating and and recapturing the things that are supposed to make you happy in life. And that should be, you know, your loved ones. And it's not about money. It's not about all of those other things that sometimes get in the way because we get so caught up in everything else. We forget. Right. Um, Well, Teresa, we don't have a, we don't have a ton of time. Yeah. Unfortunately. So uh, what, what, what songs do we want to hit up here? Uh, okay, let me look at our overall list here. By the way, can I can I bring up this fact that you have here on the music? Sure. The soundtrack spent 14 weeks at number one. I'm Casey Kasem. Now for number four, for the 14th week in a row at number one, it's that crazy Mary Poppins. Keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the stars. Unless you're Mary Poppins, y'all. Um, it spent number one on the Billboard charts in 1965. It outsold albums released that same year by The Beatles, Elvis Presley, and The Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. It's crazy. 65, I can see that. I'm Casey Kasem. So, um, reissued... Disney reissued the soundtrack in 97, including a 16-minute track of unreleased songs and demo versions in 2004 as part of the 40th anniversary, also called Special Edition. A 28-track disc as part of a two-disc set was released in 2014, the 50th anniversary of the film's release, the soundtrack, the soundtrack. The soundtrack was released in a three-CD edition as part of the Walt Disney Records' The Legacy Collection series, and this edition includes demos and many, quote, lost tracks. Mm-hmm. So where do we go from here, Teresa? Well, we've talked about Sister Suffragette, mm-hmm. so, I mean, we can play a little bit of it, but I have some notes on some of the songs. Mm-hmm. We probably want to play A Spoonful of Sugar. I feel oh, like we can't. Yes, you think so? Every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. You find the fun, and snap! The job's a game! 
and every task you undertake becomes a piece of cake, a lark, a spree. It's very clear to see. Sugar helps the medicine go down, the medicine go down, medicine go down. Just a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down in a most delightful way. Here's that bird. A robin feathering his nest has very little time to rest while gathering his bits of twine and twig. Though quite intent in his pursuit, he has a merry tune to toot. He knows a song will move the job I like the part when she sings to herself in the mirror and they have a little competition. Mm-hmm. Sure. So Julie Andrews is the voice of the Robin. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Why well, that something? That is her. Also, on the side note of the Robin, Julie Andrews said that the Robin was hard. It tested her patience because all the wires for the animatronic Robin were running down her arm. Mm-hmm. So she had to hold her arm in a very specific stance so that they could control the bird. Control control the bird! That would suck. Control the bird! So I want to mention something about Matthew Garber really quick since we're here. I'm looking at the perfect nanny. You talking about the kid that kept giving a freaky look to her while she's singing for the Spoonful of Sugar? <laughs> yes, Michael. So Michael and Karen who played, or Michael and Karen, Matthew and Karen who play Jane and Michael, they were actually in three films together for Disney, The mm -hmm. Three Lives of Thomasina, No Mobiles, and uh, Mary Poppins. Mm -hmm. They actually didn't keep in touch. Matthew Garber actually died in 1977. He was oh. only 21 years old. Wow. Uh, he died of pancreatitis from hepatitis that he contracted mm. in India. Um, mm. So it's really sad. It is sad. Oh, sad. Gee I feel bad but, about making fun of him looking like a weird little kid on now all of a sudden. <laughs> well, he did bite people. Well, that's true. Apparently. That's how he got the hepatitis, I bet. <laughs> bit the wrong person. That's terrible. I'm sorry. It's not funny. <laughs> it's mean. It's oh, my mean. God. It's mean. Sorry. He's a biter. All right. So we have to play Jolly Holiday. Because oh, it's sure. Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke. And they stand on turtles, which are so cute. I did a glorious die, right as a morning in my. I feel like I could fly. Now, Bert, none of your knocking about. Have you ever seen the grass so green or a bluer sky? Oh, it's a jolly holiday with Mary. Mary makes your heart so light. You haven't changed a bit, have you? When the day is gray and ordinary, 
Mary makes the sun shine bright. Oh, honestly. Oh, happiness is blooming all around her. The daffodils are smiling at the dove. When Mary holds your hand, you feel so grand. Your heart starts beating like a big brass band. <laughs> you are lightheaded. It's a jolly holiday with Mary. No wonder that it's Mary that we love. Sorry, I was having a secret conversation. Therese? Huh? I said I'm, I was having a secret conversation. I apologize. Oh. Mary makes your heart so bright. <laughs> How about that? Oh, I love that song. Mm-hmm. I love that Well, that song. whole, I think that sequence, you know, the whole animated going into the trailer or going into the sidewalk paintings is a lot of people's favorite sequence. From the film. <clears throat> I don't know. I love the chimney sweep sequence too with Step in Time. Oh, come on. You telling you talking about old Step in Time? Well, we gotta I am just gonna keep going through the old paintings real quick. Even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious. If you say it loud enough, you'll always sound precocious. I was afraid to speak, well I was just a lad. My father gave me now to tweak and told me I was bad. But then one day I learned a word to say, we ain't can nose. The, the biggest word you ever heard, and this is how we go. Oh, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious. If you say it loud enough, you'll always have a cozy. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. I mean, I got to tell you something. That kid has eaten that candy apple and got it all over his face. I know. Where's the? We need to hear the part where she says it backwards. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me get there. I'll, I'll try to. There we go. By, by the way, what's the history with Bert and Mary? They're not, they're not a thing. I didn't say they're a thing. I said, what's their history? They don't have one. He knew her. And she knew well, him. Well, they're friends. They're like his best friend. You know, you can which is docious alley expiistic fragicali rufus but that's going a bit too far don't you think so when the cat has got your indubitably okay i see it i see what she's doing so she's she taking take, the pieces she and takes reversing them docious mm -hmm. so it's docious expiali fragic fragile rufus right she's taken she kind of she 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 mishmashed it yeah, she just mishmashes. She takes the the segments and says the segment segments in order backwards, right. except for super, which she says rupus, which is should be repus, but and that's the only word she acts only part of that that she actually says backwards. Backwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay, so we have to do yours because I know you love this section of I love to laugh. Oh my gosh, I this one. I have a sad story. <clears throat> I have a sad story, don't you know? That's fine. If you can pop it back in there, it'll be great. I'm sorry we're fixing some headphones. If you can't, that's also okay. Hey, um, Steve. Yeah. Steve, hang on a second, okay? Okay. Hang on one quick second. Mm-hmm. Okay, go ahead. 
Hey, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula in Star Wars Rebels, and I just want to say please end childhood cancer today. Give what you can. I love you guys. Oh, thank you, Vanessa. He, Steve says thank you. Thank you for taking time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm in the middle of nowhere, and my phone keeps cutting out on everybody. I like texting, tweeting, and you know, emailing and everything. So I got your. I don't even know when you texted me, but I just wanted to call and say I love you. I'm so glad you guys are doing this, and I hope it goes really, really well. Well, we're working on it, and your tweet will definitely help. So thank you. Okay, and I'll get everyone to retweet it. Okay, sounds good. Thanks. Tell everyone okay. we say hi. I will. Dave says hi. Oh, I love you. Okay, bye. Okay, oh bye. wow! What a, in the wrestling business we call that a run-in by Vanessa Marshall, ladies and gentlemen. She, and I said we were going to have celebrity guests today. Who knew? Who knew? Yeah, if you see Vanessa's tweet, she did send out a tweet. So go and retweet that stuff. I'm trying to get into my uh, <clears throat> Ed Wynn. Don't you know? Okay, so here, you know, my favorite Ed Wynn role is actually not this role. Oh, yeah? Which one is it? The Mad Hatter? No. Okay. He plays the toy maker in... Uh, Twilight? Babes in Toyland. Oh, the Twilight Zone. Oh, no, Babes in Toyland. Babes in Toyland is mm -hmm. one of my favorite live-action Disney movies ever. It has Annette Finicello in it. I love it. I love it, love it, love it. And he's the toy maker. It's so good. There's but some duct tape this. up on that shelf, Shaz. Shaz broke my headphones. Um, all right, well, I love this scene. It's funny when he's like, I said I'd like to replace your cat. And she said, well, that's fine. How are you at chasing mice? don't you know oh that's i love this whole set the whole sequence and every i've always i'm like man i laugh so hard sometimes i feel like i should be floating no, wouldn't that be cool when you laugh if you actually float well i imagine it'd get a little dangerous after a time maybe some people laugh through their noses sounding something like this mm-hmm I like when I like when Dick Van Dyke says some people laugh too fast and he sounds like a bird. Tree. Yes. <laughs> some people just they like what does he say? Some they people just honk. they laugh like just one loud laugh and he's like ma. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's just a big hawk, right? <laughs> Oh wow, <laughs> Teresa's down. Are they worked? Are they fixed for you? Good. <laughs> Teresa's down, ladies and gentlemen. Oh man, <clears throat> I gotta um, I gotta hear some of the chimney sweep stuff though too. By the way. Yeah. Okay. So, Step in Time, by the way, mm -hmm. is based on a song called "Knees Up, Mother Brown." So there's a there's actually 
a lot of the songs are based on British folk music. And for Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, it's actually based on a British folk song that they used to sing, Boiled Beef and Carrots. Oh. So at the end, the Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious would be like, Boiled Beef and Carrots. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, here's, I found a Knees Up Mother Brown Cockney Classic. Suddenly, I don't know if it's appropriate. <laughs> but, you hear it? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what about uh, Chim Chimney? So, Chim Chimney, actually, I don't know what inspired the actual, like, melody. But what inspired them was they went in for a meeting and there were sketches of... Bert walking down the street holding a chimney sweep mm -hmm. sweeper thingy and they developed the song off of that sketch now as the ladder of life has been strung you might think a sweeps on the bottom most rung though I spends me time in the ashes and smoke in this old wide world there's no happier bloke chim chimney chim chimney chim chim cheery a sweep is as lucky as lucky can be. Chim chimini, chim chimini, chim chim chiru. Good luck, we rub off when I shake hands with you. Chim chimini, chim chimini, chim chim. I like when it slows down and becomes kind of a sad song. There's that part where he does something that's sad. Yeah. Yeah. I love that song. But we, yeah, we also did this. We did all this, all the in third grade. We did all the little. Uh, Yes. Stepping time. Stepping time. Stepping Clap like a birdie. Oh, man. Oh, Third. I love it. And I love when they're dancing on the top of the chimneys and stuff. Mm -hmm. And just like, and then when Dick Van Dyke goes flying around the edge and they drop yes. these buildings and all that stuff, it's yep. so, so amazing. And also, Dick Van Dyke had zero dance training. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Zero dance training, which is amazing to me. Also, this is the only number that they rehearsed beforehand, and they rehearsed this for six weeks. And the segment was supposed to be like nine minutes, and it got extended to 14. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Ugh. Ugh. Well. I love this one. Step in Time is probably one of my favorite songs <clears throat> yeah. out of all of right. them. Now, the song Fidelity, Fidelity Fiduciary Bank, mm -hmm. that was inspired by Gilbert and Sullivan. Mm-hmm. And then we have to play, um, let's play Feed the Birds last. Okay. But we already sang Let's Go Fly Kite, mm -hmm. but 
but let's you. let's let the pros let's do go, it. Let's, yeah, let's let the actual people sing. With toppings for paper and string. You've got your own set of wings. It's wonderful. However, did you manage it? With toppings for paper and strings, you can have your own set of wings. With your feet on the ground, you're a bird in flight. With your fist holding tight to the string of your kite. Oh, let's go fly a kite up to the highest height. Let's go fly a kite and send it soaring up through the atmosphere, up where the air is clear. Oh, let's go fly a kite. The kite needs a proper tail, don't you think? That's what I said, sir. Go fly a kite. No, sir, no. I don't mean you personally. <laughs> I don't mean you personally. Um, did the children ever sing in this in this movie? They sing the nanny song. Okay. All right. But every every other time they're being sung too, and they're just kind of watching mm-hmm. the singing go on. Yeah. If you notice. So, yeah, we've talked about the fly kite. Okay. So, feed the birds. You going to be able to get through this? I think so. Would you like a little background music while you do it? Is it just bird noises? Oh. Yeah, that's not helpful. Okay, well, go ahead. Okay. So, the song Feed the Birds is actually all about charity, which I felt was great for today. Feed the Birds... Essentially, is about a lady who doesn't have anything, but yet she gives everything that she has to these birds. And the song is about giving from your own pocket to people who haven't asked for anything. And it's something that they really need. And so, Feed the Birds, I just don't, I don't know, for today and the Cure Child could childhood cancer marathon and everything i think it's great because all of you are donating money to something that you know these people need help but they're not sitting there asking for our help but we're giving it anyway and that's what feed the birds is all about it was walt disney's favorite song he used to on fridays he would reach down to the sherman brothers and ask them to come up and play him the song and they would play the song and he would say yep that's it And then he would tell them to have a nice weekend. And after he died, Richard Sherman would still go up to Walt's office and play the song on Fridays. Listen, listen, she's calling to you. Feed the 
Well, Teresa, any final thoughts on Mary Poppins? Uh, there's one thing else, one more thing I wanted to say okay. kind of about this song. Um, so for Walt Disney's 100th birthday, Richard Sherman was asked to play in the hub at Disneyland to dedicate the Walt and Mickey statue. Mm. So he played Feed the Birds. Mm-hmm. And as he came to the end of the song, you can see it in a video. Um, it's not in the video that I put for you, Steve. Okay. You can't see it. But in the video, they told Richard Sherman later that as he came towards the end of the song, one single bird flew into the shot. You can see the shadow on the ground. Flew in, stopped for a second, and flew away. Hmm. And he thinks it was Walt saying thank you. And I do, too. Um, I don't know. It's just such a good song. <laughs> I'm and, sorry. And we got Teresa. Oh. <laughs> well played. Well played, Teresa. You got yourself there. Mm. <clears throat> well, listen, I don't think uh, there's any question. Mary Poppins is the gold standard um, by which all other live-action Disney movies, particularly the musicals, um, yeah. would be judged. And I don't know that it gets much better uh, then Mary Poppins, I think that uh, it's it's practically a perfect musical film to me. And I know that there are purists who would say, well, it's nothing like the Bucks, you know, who are just like the author. Um, but at the end of the day, the messages are there. The the fun is there. The joy is there. And it is it's just a great, great movie. And I'm, and I'm glad that it's the first real live action movie we've talked about on Disney Vault Talk. And I think it was a great pick for our marathon today. So. Um, yeah, so Teresa, tell people how they can get in touch with us. Okay, well, first of all, if you're listening to this, then if you haven't donated, you still can up until January 30th. You need to go to geekoutonline.com slash cure to donate to help cure childhood cancer. Coming up next for Disney Vault Talk will be the beginning of our trip through Pixar, and we're going to be looking at Toy Story first. We'll be doing mm. them in order. You can email us in between shows. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Mary Poppins, the music, and everything else. Um, also, feel free to talk to me about Sound of Music if you want. VaultTalk at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook. We are facebook.com slash Talk. We also have a, a uh, Facebook group. You can find that by... Is is the link still the same, Steve? Where is that now? Geekoutpodcast.com slash group or Yes. No, it's geekoutonline.com slash group. Oh, geekoutonline.com slash group and actually, you'll find I, our Actually I have to re- I have to restore that, but thank you. I will do okay. so. Well you need we'll restore it, but you can just go on Facebook and search for Guardians of the Goliverse. There will be a few questions that you have to answer before we let you in just to make sure you're not a troll. And we'll let you in. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Disney Vault Talk. I am at Ice Cold Penguin. Steve is at Steve Glosson. And you can follow the entire network of Gulliver's shows at Gulliver's. The only big plugs we want to give is to head over to geekoutonline.com slash cure and donate to Cure. Uh, you can find out more about Cure at curechildhoodcancer.org. And I would also encourage you to, um, if, if you're getting this, you weren't here for, for the live thing, you're listening uh, on the podcast feed, 
the the link is going to be available to give until January 31st. So um, please don't uh, don't hesitate to uh, to give to give often to give as much as you can to help us reach our five thousand dollar goal. At the time of recording here, as we closed down, we didn't quite make that two thousand dollars, no. Teresa, but we did get to thirteen seventy five. So we're twenty eight percent of the way to our goal, and we thank everyone who has given. We greatly, greatly appreciate everyone who has donated to this incredibly great cause. Cure is dedicated to finding a cure to childhood cancer in our lifetime. And uh, we um, we hope that uh, you'll help us out by giving to geekoutonline.com slash cure. So until next time, I'm Steve. And I'm Teresa. May all your days be magical. And may all your wishes come true. We'll see you on the next Disney Vault Talk. Stolen tight to the string of your kite. Let's go, everybody, fly a kite up to the highest height. Let's go fly a kite and send it soaring up through the So sorry, sir. Oh, no nonsense. Nothing to be sorry about. Never seen him happier in his life. He left an opening for a new partner. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much indeed. All right, everyone, that is... Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. One last fun fact, because I didn't mention it. Oh, no. Dick Van Dyke it also plays Mr. Dawes Sr., so the old bank director that just died in that song. Yeah, that was Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, and in the end title, he's credited with the name Navit Kid Keed, which is an anagram for Dick Van Dyke. Nice. All right. <laughs>